All right, guys, I have a, a very special announcement before I start, and that is uh, tomorrow, Monday morning, officially starts an internship here at River City Church for two young adults. You might know one of them, Maggie Verlander. Anybody? <laughs> Verlander family, amazing family. They've been here for a long time, and... Uh, Maggie decided to take a gap year, and she's staying in Jacksonville, which was a huge answer to prayer. Uh, she's going to start an internship with River City Youth starting tomorrow. And then we also have another intern that flew here from Colorado. His name's Leighton Chupp, and uh, he's excited. He's also taking a gap year. And I just, I'm so thankful that we have young adults that are uh, on fire for Jesus and who want to invest and learn and grow in the local church. So I just want to invite you guys, would you join me just over the next week and just praying for them as they settle in, as they start this internship. It'll be, it'll be like a, a 15 hour a week thing where they're just wanting to learn about discipleship and youth ministry. And, and they're going to be here for the next three and a half months or so. So super excited about that. Um, we have two weeks now until our table groups start up, right? That's uh, something that we're really emphasizing right now, these table groups. And so we're just going to continue this series on tables, and I'm going to keep, keep talking about it. Honestly, I'll be real. When Jared first started talking about tables, um, he talked about getting together, catching up with friends, uh, doing a, a, a Bible discussion. And, he, I mean, he gave this vision of behind social grounds, this, like, relaxing time catching up with friends. And I was, I was sold almost immediately. I was like, that sounds really nice. I don't know what things are like at your table at home, but uh, I have three small children and my table at home is like a war zone. It is like a straight battle. We, we have uh, Ellie, who's my oldest. She's like the general, like, daddy, go get me a banana. Like, Daddy, can you, can you give me special Cheerios? Daddy, I don't want eggs. I want pancakes. And so I'm like constantly moving. And then, of course, we have Sparrow, who just repeats everything Ellie asks for. And then on top of that, she just, she just loves throwing food all over the place. So there's food everywhere. And then lastly, we have Indy, who just screams the whole time, no matter what you give her. And for your enjoyment, here's a picture. She... Yeah, she's a straight G. That's her gang sign right there. She's like, what's up? Give me what I want or I will make your life miserable. <laughs> that's that's our, our sweet little almost one-year-old. Um, so, you know, and the best is, the best part about it is when you finally sit down to eat and you're just so excited to enjoy your meal and then you hear from across the house, wipe me! Wipe me! I mean, there is truly nothing like assisting your child in the bathroom who's potty training right in the middle of eating food. I mean, it is, it's the best, right? It's the complete best. So yeah, when Jared was like, let's have a nice, quiet Bible discussion, I was like, let's go. I'm in. Where the sitter's at, let's do it. Um, my hand went up immediately. No, I, I really do, I love this emphasis. I think it's such a great emphasis, especially for the season that we're in, where we're just, we're learning how to get back together and relate with, with distance and trying to be safe about it. Um, and last week's message was so good, just a message about hospitality and how 
when, when we think about meeting with other people, we should always be open to people we don't know. Like we should always be ready to get to know new people, to engage with them and to, to invite them into our lives. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna keep talking about tables. And honestly, I, I was very close to preaching on Psalm 23. And I think that's so cool, that testimony that Abigail just shared. There's a line in there that said that, that he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And I thought that was a really cool confirmation. Um, psalm 23, that, that is such a powerful psalm. But uh, instead, I want to read a story from the end of Luke's gospel. And if I had a title for my message, it would be that at the table, there is confirmation. That when we are doubting, Jesus shows up. And he shows up very much alive. And so before I start reading, I'm just going to summarize the context of what's happening. I'm trying to skip through some of the, the detail in the verses. So uh, go with me on this. I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to summarize the first part. Okay, it's Easter Sunday, right? It's the day that Jesus resurrects. And Jesus shows up to two ultra bummed out disciples who are on their way to a village called Emmaus. And uh, they, don't, they don't recognize him because he does some cool trick. You know, I don't know how he does it, but somehow he like keeps them from seeing who he is. And they're, so they're on the way walking and they're talking. And as they're talking, Jesus just like slides up and is like, hey, what y'all talking about? It's the, it's the funniest thing. Come on. He slides up. He's like, what are you guys talking about? Any of you guys have a friend who like butts into your conversation, like in the middle of the conversation, you don't even know them maybe. And they're just asking, what are you talking about? They're just curious. Well, that friend is me. I do it all the time. I literally do it all the time. People get so mad, but hey, Jesus does it too. So that's the best excuse, right? Um, so yeah, Jesus shows up and He's like, what are y'all talking about? And they're like, what do you mean? You, you haven't heard? Like Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, he just crucified. Like all these things are shaking down. We thought he was gonna be the Messiah to like change everything. And uh, they're filling him in about the news now of Jesus being alive because some people have reported that Jesus is alive. And rather than being like, boom, gotcha, it's me. The truth is I am alive. Jesus just kind of goes with it. And he goes into like ninja teacher mode where they don't know who he is, but then he just starts like teaching them all of these scriptures and showing them all of the reason that the Messiah had to die first before um, he was resurrected and before he brought like final transformation. So he's starting to explain the Bible and that's where we're going to start. In Luke 24 verses 28, it says, so they drew near the village to which they were going and he acted as if he was going to go further. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. Now this is cool because I feel like this is an exact picture of what Jared, Pastor Jared talked about last week, where you welcome and invite the stranger. He butts into their conversation. They don't know him but they're so engaged with what he's talking about. They're like, will you just come over? Will you come over and stay with us and eat with us? I mean, this is an awesome connection that just happens spontaneously where they invite a total stranger to stay for dinner. And little did they know they were entertaining Jesus himself. It's awesome. 
So then we keep reading verse 30. It says, when he was at the table with him, he took the bread and blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. So another awesome trick, Jesus can just disappear. There's something cool about a resurrected body where you can keep people from seeing who you really are, or maybe it's just the power of Jesus, right? Um, but he just, boom, disappears. I'm like, whoa, where'd he go? But he does it at the table when he breaks the bread. So as soon as he breaks the bread, these disciples have a flashback to the last supper with Jesus. And so many times where Jesus broke bread with his disciples and then their eyes opened. They're like, oh, it was him the whole time. And this is just a profound moment. While, while they're breaking bread, they have a revelation of who he is. And, and so with that being said, you know, when we get together with each other, I always say like the best times of getting together is over a meal, like having food together. Like some of my best revelation has been breaking a little Chick-fil-A. You know what I'm saying? Like you break a little Chick-fil-A, suddenly Jesus is there. Um, but meals, they help. They help when we get together, but it doesn't have to be meals. You know, when we get together for these table groups, you know, it could be coffee. It, it could just be something that, that brings us together where we enjoy that communion, that fellowship. I know that um, I had this really amazing, powerful encounter um, with a, a young adult who used to go to, to Grace Church of Avondale where I used to be on staff. And this guy, he, had, he was one of those guys that just, he came into church by himself. No one invited him. He just, he just showed up and he showed up skeptical. He showed up kind of curious and wondering, but obviously like something drew him to church. And he was there for months, just kind of absorbing everything from the worship to the teaching to people inviting him to the young adult groups and, and the relationships that were kind of forming. And after, after a few months, um, I just said, hey, man, do you want to go out and get some coffee? And so we did. We, uh, we went over to Vagabond Coffee, which is over in the Murray Hill area. And just over a cup of coffee, like, before, and before getting there, I felt like God was saying, like, you need to, you need to go there this morning. Like you need to actually go there and like explain to him why you believe. Like give him, share with him your story and what drew you to faith. And so I did. And as I was explaining it, like this story came up about Cornelius in the book of Acts. And I just talked about Cornelius and how his whole family got filled with the Holy Spirit upon believing in Jesus. And I mean, God just met us right there at that coffee table. And he looked at me and he goes, I want that, what do I need to do? Now, if you ever get asked that question by someone, you know you're, you're in a, a good place. You're, you're, this person is ripe for experiencing the Lord. He goes, what do I do? And I said, well, it, honestly, it's really easy. Like you just, you just choose, you repent from your sin and you just choose to believe in him. And then we pray and God fills you with his spirit. And he's like, let's do it. Let's do it right now. So right there outside of Vagabond Coffee, I was able to pray and, and watch the Holy Spirit fill this, this young man. And it all happened over just coffee together at a table. I mean, these kinds of things, when we talk about table groups, they can seem so programmatic or whatever, but they're not. They're so relational and they're so important. You know, when we really get 
into each other's lives. And then what comes out is this desire for more, this desire for God. All right, let's keep reading. In verse 32, so Jesus has just disappeared. In verse 32, it says, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed. He has appeared to Simon. And when they told what had happened on the road, how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace to you. This is incredible. I mean, it's perfect timing. It's epic timing. Like as the words are leaving their mouth, boom, Jesus walks through the wall. Like another cool trick, you know, it's amazing. Um, the, the, the gospel of John says that the doors are locked. So he literally like has to like walk through a wall to get in there. And he just shows up and he's like, peace, what's up? I mean, it's awesome. Like Jesus is, he's incredible. So he's standing there. And one thing I wanted to point out about this is, you know, when you look at all the times that Jesus appears to his disciples and, and to people after his resurrection, you know, the first time he shows up is to Mary Magdalene at the tomb and the other women who were there. Um, but he, he shows up personally to Mary. And then it also says here that he showed up to Simon personally, okay? But in this passage, Jesus is not showing up personally, he's showing up collectively, meaning he's choosing to show up at a time where they are all gathered and meeting together. And one thing that struck me about that is that it kind of, it shows us the importance of community, that there are times that Jesus wants to show up individually, but there are also times where Jesus wants to show up when we're meeting together with other people. You know, flying solo as a Christian or having church alone. And, and in this season, I feel like more than ever before, the church is asking this question. You know, believers, the collective body of believers, I think are asking the question, do I really need to go be around other Christians to experience all that God has for me? Or can I just find faith and life alone by myself. And I think this answers that question, that if you try to fly solo as a Christian and you try to do it alone without community, you are gonna miss out on opportunities that Jesus wants to show up in your life. You will miss out on some times that Jesus wants to show up collectively with other people. So let's keep reading. Verse 37. It says, it says they're startled and frightened. He shows up, he's like, peace to you. And so they're, they're freaking out a little bit. They thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why did doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said, hey, have you anything to eat here? 
and they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it before them. Okay, so again, Jesus shows up when they're eating together, okay? There's something about that. There's something about meals with each other. And he asks this question, he goes, why are you troubled? Like what's going on? Of course, they're reeling in sadness because their friend who they've walked with for three years has died and they're reeling from those, those promises and then wondering whether those promises are gonna actually come to fulfillment. And so they're sad, but he shows up and he asks this question, why are you troubled? Why are you troubled? You know, if I'm honest, this season of life over the past few months has brought a lot of trouble. This season has brought a lot of anxiety. You know, some of, some of you have lost uh, loved ones in this season. People you care about have passed away. Some of you have lost jobs. Um, some of you gotten so sick. Some of you have been inf- affected by cancer. Um, personal brokenness. That might be the, the hardest one. It's when you actually experience your own personal brokenness. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Or maybe it's just doubts. I mean, I'll be real. Like this season, some serious doubts have come into my mind. And, and I've had to wrestle through certain truths that I've held on to for a long time going, God, where are you right now? What are you doing? What's going on? And... I love this scene where Jesus shows up and he shows up right in the middle of the doubts and it shows that he's not afraid of doubt, but he meets us. Not only does he meet us, he lets us touch every wound that he has experienced. He lets us touch. He goes, let me, let me remind you. Let me remind you of my sacrifice. Let me show you my hands and my feet, and how far I will go to love you, how far I will go to meet you in your life. And he shows up, not dead, but very much alive. So at the table, there is confirmation. When we're at the table, we see that Jesus is alive, especially with one another. You know, I feel like these table groups They're just such a prime opportunity for us to get to know each other, to gather in community in smaller groups, three to four. Um, I will say this, River City Youth, we are going to start our own table groups. So I'm excited. I'm excited because table groups is going to be something the whole church does together. And I love this this quote from a, a, a Catholic priest, Louis Evely. He says, the best proof that Christ has risen is that he is still alive. And for the immense majority of our contemporaries, the only way of seeing him alive is for us Christians to love one another. So when we get together in these table groups, of course the L in table stands for love, like how we lovingly respond to one another right now. That's the best witness for people around us to come to know who God is and his love for them. So it's such an important, an important thing that we're doing. And, and as, just as a closing, I want to talk about the, one, the straggler, the one who's left out, because Jesus shows up this time 
But in the gospel of John, he actually shows up in the same way a second time. And he shows up to Thomas. And in John 20, 24, it says, Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the, his, in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the marks of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. You know, I love how honest Thomas is. You know, Thomas gets a, a bad rap a lot of times. You know, doubting Thomas is what we like to call him. Thomas gets a bad rap, but like, if I'm honest, I'm right there with Thomas. Like, I wanna see the proof. Like, I wanna experience it myself. Like, sometimes it's just not good enough to have you say, I've got really good news. Like, I need to experience that good news for myself. And life's hardships, you know, they can be jading. They can be jading and they can even make good news seem like a pipe dream, you know? But Jesus shows up for the Thomases. Jesus shows up for the Thomases. And in verse 26, it says, eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, so out of all the disciples there, he wants a personal encounter with Thomas. So he turns to Thomas and he says, Thomas, come put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, B Billy Graham says this, he says, there's more evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than there is that Julius Caesar ever lived or that Alexander the Great died at the age of 33. We talked a lot about that in our alpha groups last fall. And I think that's true. But you know, good evidence alone doesn't produce faith. You can have all the evidence in the world, but not have faith planted in your life. You have to have an encounter with the risen Jesus. You have to have a real encounter with the risen Jesus. And I love the kindness and the mercy of Jesus to show up to Thomas personally and go, look, Thomas, I'll come eight days later and do the same thing for you. I'll come eight days later and do the same thing for you. And you might have felt like, man, you've been, you know, you've been hearing the gospel for years. And maybe you have some close friends who know him. But you just haven't, you haven't jumped on the Christian train. You haven't jumped on the bandwagon. But I just want to say, like, it is never too late. Jesus is here today for you. And he's saying, hey, you want to know me? You want to experience me? Come on, come and touch my nail-pierced hands where I hung on a cross for you. Come and touch that. Come and touch my side and see the depth of my love for you. And so what I really wanted to just leave with us today is that Jesus will show up at the table and he will show up and show himself very much alive. 
I just want to uh, invite you just to stand with me as we close. And I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you that, that you bring revelation, God. You bring revelation of who you are when we can't conjure it up, Lord. We just, we just look to you, God, and I thank you for how clean the gospels are. I thank you for how much proof you're willing to give that you are here with us, that you are alive. We thank you, Jesus, for your cross, for paying the debt for our sin so that we could experience your life. And I thank you for your life that has truly taken away the sting of death so that even those who have lost loved ones in this season, the sting of death is gone in your name. And God, I just pray for these table groups as we get ready to start table groups and as we continue uh, putting them together and, and emphasizing meeting together around your word. God, I pray that your life would just surge into these table groups, Lord. That they would just be full of your Holy Spirit and your power, God. And that they would be so meaningful, God, for people. And I pray that people would be awakened from death to life, even at the table with just a few others. Lord, we, we thank you that you're alive. We celebrate your victory in Jesus' name. Amen.